BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. The Russian war on Ukraine is as vicious, brutal, and bloody as any moment since the beginning of Putin's invasion a month ago. But now Russian forces are facing not only stalled advances, but a retreat in some areas after counterattacks by the Ukrainian defenders. The Russians are pulling back from early gains in Kherson, as well as the capital of Kiev. This is The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. And after three days in Brussels and Poland, the White House had to clean up some of President Biden's expected gaps and misstatements. He didn't disappoint. Biden had warned Russia that if it were to use chemical weapons, the United States would, quote, respond in kind. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan picked up his Biden shovel and cleaned up his mess, saying the president meant to say, quote, respond accordingly to any such event. President Biden while in Poland, told some of our 100,000 troops now in Europe that while they were in Ukraine, they would see women and young people stand in front of tanks. You heard me right. He actually said that. The White House and damage control didn't try to explain what the president had said or why. They just repeated that no American troops are going to Ukraine. Let's hope the White House is correct. And while the president was embarrassing the nation in Europe, the White House was honoring Yuri Kochayama, a Maoist activist who admired Osama bin Laden, Fidel Castro, and Che Guevara. The White House had no explanation why the pro-communists should be honored in its Women's History Month, but then opinion polls show repeatedly there's little this White House can explain satisfactorily to the American people. Joining us now is a distinguished guest who is a frequent critic of this president and administration. We're delighted to have with us today a true lion of the Senate and physician as well, Senator Rand Paul. Senator Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, let's start, first of all, with Fauci, uh, the bad doctor, uh, showing his face this week. Uh, you have called him a menace. Uh, I think a lot of Americans now would agree with your characterization. Uh, your thoughts on his reemergence and his new warning. You know, I was kind of hoping he was going to remain in witness protection, but unfortunately he's back on uh, prime time. And the thing is, is he takes the evidence and completely misconstrues it, misinterprets it, and misapplies it. So, for example, the evidence right now that is out there everywhere for anybody to see is that the daily incidence of the disease is plummeting to, to the lowest levels of the pandemic, hospitalizations are at the lowest level of the pandemic, deaths are at the lowest level of the pandemic, and he resurfaces to say, well, there could be another wave, and we, we need to be prepared to get back in these masks and get the plexiglass up and put the six-foot apart uh, stickers back on the floor. And so he's just tone deaf, completely tone deaf, but really misinterpreting the evidence. The clear-cut evidence, if you take a random sample of a 1,000 people from anywhere in the United States, 
you'll find that 95% of them have antibodies to either the virus or to the vaccine. So the combination, the immunity gathered from natural infection and from the vaccine is now present in 95% of the people. So this is no longer a novel virus. This is a virus for which almost everyone in society has some immunity. The thing he should be talking about, though, is there are a few people that despite vaccination and maybe a few who've been previously infected, hadn't been really reported, but that might get it again and might get sick enough to die. And there's a treatment. What Dr. Fauci should be doing is going on television saying, if you get treated, you need to be treated in the first several days if you're at high risk because the treatment works a lot better in the first couple of days. And primarily that treatment's monoclonal antibodies, although there are some other uh, anti-inflammatories that may help as well. But you don't hear that from him at all. It's just this blather about put four masks on, wear goggles, you need earmuffs, and don't go outside and don't get anywhere close to anybody. But it's all nonsense, and we need to discount what he's saying because he's not really examining the evidence objectively. And, and Senator Paul is not simply criticizing Dr. Fauci. He's introduced legislation to eliminate uh, his position and to uh, spread the job across uh, three entities. Uh, which makes, I think, a lot of sense just uh, as, a, as a layman. Uh, what do you think the prospects for the legislation are? Well, we had a disappointing vote in the committee. We voted, and we knew we wouldn't get any Democrats supporting the committee, but we actually lost six Republicans in the committee. Now, five of those <laughs> six actually voted for impeachment as well. So what you have is Republicans who voted to get rid of Donald Trump but voted to keep uh, Dr. Fauci. And I think if you went home to these Republican states that they represent and told voters they voted to impeach Donald Trump or they voted to keep Anthony Fauci, I don't think they'd find hardly a person in their state that actually supports that position. So I think uh, part of the job now is America needs to know who these people are. And when that message gets out, hopefully we'll uh, get some better representation from these Republican states. Now, the good news is this. We did have another vote, and that was on ending the mask mandate on airplanes. And we actually right. won that one, 57 to 40. And we got eight Democrats to side with us. The first time that any Democrats have broken ranks to oppose the Fauci mandates. Well, that that, that is terrific. And uh, again, congratulations to you on on leading that effort. And today we get word that CEOs of 10 major airlines and cargo operators, uh, that includes the, the big guys like American, FedEx, uh, Southwest, JetBlue, and others, telling President Biden to drop the outdated mass mandates uh, and, and tests. Uh, and that's exactly what you've been telling everybody for I, I don't know how long. Uh, and it actually was a good sign, a good sign that the Southwest Airlines Flight Attendant Union also joined that statement to say it's time to get rid of the, the masks. Heathrow in England has gotten rid of all mask mandates in the airport. British Airways, uh, uh, Virgin uh, Atlantic has gotten rid of them as well. And the thing is, is we used to be the free people. We used to be the independent spirited Americans. It used to be the Europeans we thought were the, you know, the people who always wanted government and wanted the nanny state. England's ahead of this on restoring freedom and still in America, Amazing. you know, the nanny state is there telling us to wear these ridiculous masks that don't work. Well, the next thing, Justin Trudeau will come out uh, ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, if we're behind Trudeau, then we are really, really in trouble. <laughs>
Uh, I, I want to turn to also your legislation on ending uh, the national emergency declaration. It is such an important issue for this country because many people are not aware that even there are uh, uh, there is such a thing as the National Emergencies Act uh, and that this president uh, is operating with the full force and power uh, of that uh, that provision that gives him superpowers as president of the United States. What are what are the prospects there? You know, it's funny because many on the left have, have worried and wrung their hands about the end of democracy, the end of freedom in our country based on sort of impulses they think are in Republican candidates. And yet the Emergencies Act really is a, an end to democracy. We shouldn't have this Emergency Act, or if it was there, it should be like for three days until Congress can gather to meet and approve of things. And that goes to with really together with war and things as well. There's obviously the ability of a commander in chief to repel, repulse an attack. But if we're involved in war, there's no reason why we can't be back here within three days and voting. And so emergencies that go on year on, year, year in, year out particularly for things that really, you know, is something really an emergency after an urgency after two years of something. But it's even worse than the Emergencies Act. They've also taken organizations like the CDC, which were never given any economic mandate or power. And the CDC issued an edict a year or two ago and said, oh, you don't have to pay your rent. You don't have to pay your car mortgage or your house mortgage if you feel like COVID is upsetting your daily routine. And the courts, fortunately, struck that one down. That one went on a year or two and was struck down multiple times by the court. But the mask mandate comes from the CDC also. And there's nothing in CDC legislation ever passed by Congress that gives the CDC the authority to mandate masks. We would hope that in the court, the court will see this the same way as the uh, the eviction moratorium. But we don't know yet. But we, are, we have filed a, a lawsuit, and we're hoping to get it to court as well or that Biden will, will get rid of it soon enough and make the case moot. I, I think, it, uh, Senator, it, it seems to me that President Biden will think soon enough means any time after the midterms. Uh, <laughs> do you think it is uh, straightforwardly that uh, politically motivated? It is and it isn't. I mean, I think if, it, if, he, he, if he reads the politics that way, I think he's going to make a big mistake. I think they actually sense... You know, because you've had now Democrat governors in New Jersey and other places uh, lessening some of the mandates. You have eight people voting with us this last time for the first time. So I think actually the politics are on the other side of this. It used to be just Republican moms and dads were upset about, you know, putting their kids in these masks for eight hours a day. But even Democrats and independents are starting to say, my goodness, look at all these old guys parading around in the State of the Union with no masks. Look at them whispering in the ear of Biden. Look at them, how close they are. And they're not dying like flies. They're not dropping like flies. And so why is my four-year-old in a mask all day? So people are starting to see the ludicrous nature of this. And I've said it a million times, the cloth masks don't work at all. And so I think even some people on the left are like, oh, maybe he has a point. Because then CNN, you know, I don't recommend watching it, but there was a woman over there. There's a big <laughs> acolyte. She's a doctor. And she's a big acolyte of Anthony Fauci. But she said on air that cloth masks are nothing more than facial decorations. And that's been the truth since the beginning of this. The pores in the cloth masks and the cloth masks are 650 times greater than the size of the virus. It's sort of the equivalent of a fly going through a chain link fence. And so it, it's just been ridiculous since the beginning without science to back it up. And yet we've been forced to wear these ridiculous things on the planes. And and with our children uh, and our students in schools, with the with the two largest teachers unions, absolutely their force and political power behind them, demanding that young young students wear masks. 
We now know that that was utter madness. We now know that the uh, insistence on vaccines, uh, just as you have been saying, by the way, uh, for some time again, you have been uh, absolutely prescient on all of this. Uh, and I, I think deserve great credit. Uh, those teachers unions also deserve to to be held accountable for what they have done throughout this uh, this emergency. Uh, do you not agree? Well, the message needs to be loud and clear that the people that were hurt worst by the teachers not coming to work and not being willing to, to teach in person are poor kids, often minorities, but poor in general, kids with uh, difficult family circumstances with one parent, and that parent has to work to, to bring food home, and there's not enough people around with the wherewithal to teach them at home. That's why we have schools. And when the teachers wouldn't teach, particularly in California when they wouldn't teach, they were injuring these kids. Some of these kids lost a year or two. There are thousands of kids across the United States have been lost to follow up. You know, school is a, a, a routine sort of stabilizing force in the, in the lives of so many children that don't have that at home. Some people, some of these kids eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at school. I mean, it's where they're fed as well. But a lot of these kids were lost to follow up and scores have struggled. Early childhood development has struggled. Isolation, loneliness, suicide has increased. I mean, the left really deserves, you know, to be condemned for what they did to our kids, particularly the poor kids among us. Uh, absolutely. I, I want to turn to the midterms elections. Uh, you're running for re-election. Uh, I've got to ask you about Mitt Romney, uh, the only Republican senator to oppose repealing uh, those mask mandates. Uh, what is a rhino now? Is a rhino simply a Democrat? I think it's a person who's completely out of touch, but it's also a person so smug that they think they can call people uh, treasonous or traitors because they disagree with them. I mean, what, what uh, Romney said about Tulsi Gabbard is completely beyond the pale. And look, I don't agree with a lot of her economic or social policy, but she asked a question about whether or not there were research labs in Ukraine that had been admitted by a Biden official. And for that, uh, Romnesly carelessly threw around the word tra tra traitorous or treasonous. And I think that's just so wrong on so many levels, but it also dumbs the debate down. It was something that McCain would do as well. McCain did it on the floor one day when I was simply asking, do we really need Montenegro to be a NATO and he accused me of, oh, he's working for Putin. And it's like, really, you have to be so juvenile <laughs> that you're going to say that I'm a traitor to my country because I'm uh, opposing on how big NATO should be, how many countries should be in NATO. And th there is a danger to this. There's a good article in The Washington Times either today or yesterday by David Keene about what happens in times of war, how in World War One we put thousands of German-Americans in, in in jail and that Woodrow Wilson was horrible about, you know, they put Eugene Debs, who was a socialist, uh, and, you know, the ideas are bad, but I would never put someone whose ideas are bad in jail. They put him in jail for years because he opposed the draft and opposed World War I. Um, that's what happens in time of war, and there's already sort of this jingoism out there that anybody that questions anything about this war, um, you know, in Ukraine is somehow, oh, I don't know, what are we going to do, imprison them? Do we need some internment camps? That's that's the kind of ilk and the kind of people that would call Tulsi Gabbard a traitor. And I think it's awful. Yeah, the the war, it seems, is overshadowing terrible, terrible Biden policy and decisions and programs and poll numbers. I, I can't help but think that's not an accident. I want to get your view when 40 Republican senators signed a letter demanding a no fly zone 
understanding full well that that would be considered an act of war by Vladimir Putin. I don't know if they even understand it. I think they're so naive and so uh, juvenile in their thinking they don't understand. If they did, maybe they wouldn't have signed the letter. Because here's the thing is, I don't think there's any excuse. I have nothing good to say about uh, Putin's invasion. I think he's wrong on every front. I think he's mm-hmm. miscalculated, and I think he's going to pay a penalty for the miscalculation and the invasion. And yet, I'm against a no-fly zone because it would be us declaring war, basically. The, the people who are for it don't, don't have any understanding of how it's set up. When it was set up in Libya, and I really wasn't a favor of it in that case either, But in a small third world country, what happens is we go in and they bomb the hell out of their land to air missiles, uh, their air defenses. They bomb the hell out of it for days until there's nothing but smithereens and no ability to shoot a plane down. They bomb their airports. They bomb their air force. And then a no-fly zone becomes America just flies and does whatever we want in the sky. We control the skies. With a third world country, that's possible. With Russia, we probably could actually do it. We could probably blow up most of their land air missiles all around Ukraine and what they brought into Ukraine. We could probably do it. But the, the, the danger and the reason we've avoided confrontation with Russia is one of their responses could be an irrational response and it could be not a tit for tat. It could be, why don't we just push this red button and blow up New York City? And then all of a sudden you have an escalation to the to basically the end of the world. And so people shouldn't be casual about this. We shouldn't be casual about saying Putin can do whatever he wants. And I've been in favor of, of selling arms to Ukraine. But at the same time, we can't be casual about the idea, oh, let's have a no-fly zone or let's just, you know, there have been people talking about assassinating uh, Putin. And it's like, well, if you talk that way, it mes- makes it less likely that he'll see an escape ramp that includes negotiation. And there are, even despite all of the horror of this war, there is some negotiating going on. But you have to leave some room for an exit for your enemy. If you leave no room, then they'll fight to the death, basically, which means they'll use everything at their disposal. And this could be much, much worse than it already is. Senator, well said. Uh, and I know millions of Americans uh, overwhelmingly support you in that view. Uh, and it, it's, it's sad that uh, those Republicans were signatories on that letter uh, so thoughtlessly and so irresponsibly. Uh, we have a practice, as you know, on this show, we always give our guests the last word, and uh, here you go. Well, thanks for having me, Lou. And I think the last word is that inflation is everywhere among us. Jerome Powell said the other day, oh, we've got three more years of it. I guess transitory is a long time, according to Jerome Powell. <laughs> but it, it's going to be with us, and there's no escaping it. They can try to blame the gas pump on Putin, but basically a lot of it's generalized inflation, the grocery store, et cetera, and people are suffering particularly poor people and people on fixed incomes, retired people, and they're going to blame the appropriate people. Who runs our government? It's all Democrats, the House, the Senate, the presidency. It's all Democrats. And so the blame for the inflation is going to go to them. And I think in November, they're going to be wiped out at the polls. And hopefully we'll get a chance to start uh, this country on a road to recovery. But thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, Senator. Thanks so much, as always, for your leadership. Senator Rand Paul, a terrific American, a terrific leader whose voice uh, is just critically important in the U.S. Senate. And now we turn to a businessman, an entrepreneur, the CEO of a nonprofit group that helps troubled youth, a great American. Our next guest is Congressman Burgess Owens, representing Utah's 4th District in the House of Representatives. Welcome back to the Great America Show. Great to have you with us, Congressman Owens. 
Congressman, it is great to have you with us. I, I feel better knowing that we're talking, and I think uh, the audience will feel a lot better after they hear what you have to say, and I, I'm just uh, thrilled to have you with us. So, Thank you, so, Lou. Thank you so much. I look forward to this conversation myself, my friend. really do. Well, I'm going to start out with uh, Ukraine and a Secretary of State who just told the world, we're ready for war. And my first reaction is, who the hell are you to tell anybody we're ready for war? Where is our commander in chief? And <laughs> I'm not ready for war. And yeah. I don't believe most Americans are ready for war. Your thoughts, Congressman? No, we're not ready for war. We're ready, we're ready to support Ukraine. We have been from the very beginning. And uh, sitting in, in, uh, uh, in, in Congress and listening for months, as we've asked, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure the president of Ukraine has been begging for the equipment that they needed to support what we knew was going to come, was coming down the pipe. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it is amazing to me to see a, a president that can step over, over himself every single issue, every single crisis we have. Um, it's sad to say that we're now talking about a crisis that is something that should be on the front of everybody's mind, no question about it. But in the process of doing that, we're missing out again on all the other crises that we leave behind that it was still dealing with. And 100,000 deaths of, uh, from, from fentanyl is, is one a good example of that. But, but I'll say this, what we do see coming out of this, this, this event that we're going through uh, is scary. Uh, we're seeing evil at, at its worst. We're also seeing what the light of freedom looks like in a great people and a remarkable leader uh, that they have over, uh, over in Ukraine. Someone as courageous as they were asked, asked, asking if he wanted to airlift out, uh, his answer was, I'm not looking for a ride, I'm looking for, for, equip, for, for ammunition. That is basic what freedom fighters have always felt. Um, I, I see this, uh, Lou, just as, as, as I think about what they're going through, um, the onslaught, the, um, the, the devastation, I see what our country looked like when we had the same fight in the Revolutionary War. Small group of people, that believe so much in freedom that they're willing to give up their life, uh, anything uh, to, to make sure they were able to live in, in a way that, uh, that, we, that we, we've been promised uh, uh, being, being, you know, as we've come to this earth, with this promise that we should have this opportunity to have freedom and understand that process. So uh, it, is, it is unfortunate to see what, what, what's going on right now. And we can talk as we go through this, we can talk about some of the, the options we might have where the Congress might, might step in but I just wanted to put that out there. That is a shame that we're, we're in this position where we didn't have to be. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Burgess. Uh, let, let, me, let me turn to uh, those options. We are a nuclear power, so is Russia. Putin, to his everlasting uh, disgrace, and has, has even raised the specter of nuclear war. I, I, I'd like to know what you think is the, the right way forward. If you've, if you've considered, considered that, what is the yeah. smartest, uh, most responsible and uh, what is in the greatest, uh, uh, interest of the United States here? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, uh, American feet on the ground, is not an option. Um, what we can do, even though we're late to the party and once again, our president is leading from behind, uh, we can get to those great people, those courageous people, the equipment they need to, to do what they can as long as, we, as long as that option is available. Obviously, as Russia begins to encircle uh, those cities, those options will become um, not as strong. But the things we can do here is very simply, let's focus on our own national security. Let's focus on making sure that we're, once again, energy independent. 
that we're not paying despots like Putin uh, to to do what he's doing right now. If if people could just think this think about what it takes for us to to have the energy that we need to be uh, the leaders of the world to help our friends out and need it. There's three spigots we can we can pull from. The one spigot is we can do it ourselves, self-sufficient. We have the resources, we have the innovation to truly become energy independent, where we can begin to lower the demand. Um, uh, uh, lower, uh, we can lower that. We can lower the amount. In other words, we have enough here to take care of our needs and those around the world. That's the one one spigot. The other spigot is from our friends, like Canada. That's what the Keys, Key, uh, Keystone Light uh, pi- Pipeline was all about. That we can bring energy in in a very clean way, in a very safe way, and and uh, and make sure that we're again uh, providing for ourselves and, and others. The third spigot is to get from our enemies, those who hate us those who will raise the price and make sure that our, our, our economy is not running well, which option did Biden decide on? Self-sufficiency, our friends, our enemies, he decided to go with our enemies. And it's sad to say that's as simple as it comes down to in terms of what's happened when, when it was shut down our ability to, to, to get from ourselves what we need and then go to and beg OPEC or beg uh, Russia to treat us right. So uh, that's, that's one area that we're going to, to understand and see in the future. Things we can do very simply, we need to fast track uh, uh, our liquid uh, uh, LNG imports. We need to make sure we're stopping the regulations that have been piled on top of us uh, to that uh, stop energy de- development right here. Uh, and we need to make sure we're not we're, we're not freezing the federal lands in which all this the new oil and gas projects can be can be handled. So those are just a few things. And and by the way, it's, it's beginning to happen, Lou. Uh, we're actually in this process right now as we speak. We're, we're putting together legislation that's going to stop us buying oil from Russia. And even though the private sector is already kind of leading the way in doing that, I think it's time for us as a nation, as a uh, as legislative branch, to make sure at House and the Senate that we don't buy one drop of oil from Russia as they turn turn that oil into uh, dollars to 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 uh, bombard uh, these these great people in Ukraine. And I think all of that is uh, an appropriate uh, response to what is happening right now as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, and to Congressman Owens' uh, points, uh, let's recall specifically that this president, uh, amongst his earliest acts, was to uh, stop the Keystone XL pipeline. That pipeline would have brought in almost twice as much oil uh, as we now import from Russia. Uh, he also uh, lifted the sanctions on Russia that President Trump had put in place against Russia. Again, that yeah. was amongst the very first acts that he, uh, the, that he undertook. We are a, a country right now that has been led by a commander-in-chief, uh, a president, who is not considering America first. He's not even considering America third, fourth, or fifth down the line. Uh, he is uh, decidedly uh, anti-American in the uh, in the consequence of uh, his decisions. He doesn't really care. Obviously, our borders are wide yep. open. He wants he wants to support Ukraine in the protection of their borders, but not us. Uh, yep. This is a poorly thought out, poorly run administration, and frankly, I'm glad the administration doesn't run much better because there's no trouble. There's no just no telling what kind of calamity would be visited upon us uh, if these people actually were energetic and uh, were fulfilling that agenda that has been stopped to this point in Congress. 
where is the Republican Party, though, Congressman? Uh, it's we need leaders right now. The Democrats yeah. here don't have them. Uh, and the Republican Party, we haven't heard from them on Ukraine as one voice, one party. It's outrageous. Well, and this, this is kind of the way I, I see it. First of all, um, and, and sadly to say, and this is what America has to really understand, there truly are consequences with our elections. And it's not a game. Uh, I think I think up until this point, many Americans just kind of look at politics as they look at their football teams. You know, it's uh, they just want their team to win because they have the right uniform on or they have the right mm -hmm. coach. Uh, we, we, we are so far past it. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about the essence of our culture, everything that makes what makes America work, this freedom bubble we live in every single day of our lives is something that we just can't take for granted. <clears throat> so unfortunately, we're in a position where legislation is driven by the Democratic Party. The message is being driven by the Democratic-run media. You, you see, so all the things that we, we're up against, what the upside of where we are is that it doesn't matter uh, where you are now, what party you're in, we're all feeling the pain. Now, one thing that happens with American people, once we can come together and start having conversations like we're doing right now, and I'll say that the, the greatest example of that, Lou, is what happened to CRT, what's happening in our education system. Mm -hmm. These guys have been getting away with this for decades, attacking our kids, turning our kids into anti-American Marxists. They've been doing it for a long time. But all of a sudden, American people start waking up. And it didn't matter what side of the aisle we're on. When it comes to attacking our kids, moms and dads are all one in that particular process. So all of a sudden, we're now having legislation um, that's coming through that's resonating and, and I'll, I'll say that the, the, the upside, if, there is, if there's, if there's a, a silver lining on all the, the things that's happened with the Biden administration and what's happening in, in, in Ukraine, is that American people are finally saying, you know what, I'm not going to take your message of don't believe your lying eyes. I see it. I feel it. I know what inflation looks like. I know what the fear in my cities where crime is going like, going, going like crazy. I know what the pain of watching 100,000 other Americans die from fentanyl because of an open border. So these things now are becoming very obvious. And, and I, I would just say, let's not, let's not uh, lose hope in what we do when we wake up. If I can give a message to Americans, uh, we, we, we sometimes it takes a while because of this freedom bubble that's very robust, very, uh, it's just habitual. It's like our next breath of air. But once we start talking to each other, there's no more, more nothing more powerful than we the people. So. Look, just know that we're, we're, we're in that process. We, there's a message that's coming out of the Republican Party. Now, it might be tougher to hear because we don't own the, the airwaves. Uh, we have a, a few friends like you, Lou, and others that, that get out there and get the message out. But the good thing is that, and, and I'll say this uh, from, from someone who came out of position and never thinking I would be a politician and decided to be one just because I thought it may make a difference. I've never seen the engagement I've seen across the country with Americans who in the past been too busy uh, doing their thing with their kids, working for retirement, they're getting on the on the field of action loop like they never have and saying, I'm going to take part in this and now time for me to, to be uh, to be present. So we're we're coming. We're we're we're, the, we're coming to the right place. We just have to just you know, recognize this it's gonna take a while. You know, we can't just turn it overnight, unfortunately. No, we can't. And I think the American people are are mature enough, uh, smart enough, uh, adult enough to know yeah. that uh, this isn't going to be easy. Uh, it would behoove us to understand, in fact, it's going to require a lot more of our energy 
uh, some of the folks in your district uh, and who are neighbors of ours in our community are, are working endlessly. They're working two jobs, some of them three. Yeah. Uh, some of them can't get work because now they can't afford a, a used car. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there are all sorts of uh, tough stories in every community, but the, the folks who can make a difference have to make a difference. And by that, I'm not talking about another federal program. I'm not talking about even, frankly, another state program. I'm talking about people in their communities acting as neighbors in support of one another. Uh, I say on this show constantly, you know, you can think as global as you like, as long as you're acting local. Uh, yeah. But you've got to take care of uh, what is most proximate. Uh, you've got to take care of the business that is in front of you. And that business, I'm talking about your family, your, your loved ones, your neighbors, your, your friends. Uh, you got to take care of each other. And that means you've got to be down at that city hall. You've got yep. to go to those school board meetings. You've got to make a difference in your own community. And there's just no other, uh, no other option available if we're going to restore this country uh, to its full power and, and full potential. Lou, you, you nailed it. You nailed it, Lou. And, and, uh, and I'll say that for those who, who kind of wonder what's made our country such a unique, unique place, other than our foundation, our history, you know, the fact that we began as a Judeo-Christian nation, um, what really helps us to continue to move forward throughout each generation is something called empathy. Uh, and, and, and that empathy comes from going through the experience ourselves at times. I mean, it's, it's easy, for, and I'm going to go back to, to talk about uh, uh, school choice as a good example. It's right. easy for moms and dads who live in a great neighborhood, who live in a great zip code, to feel sympathy for those who can't. And they say, I, I would love to help you. I love, but then they don't think about it again because it's not impacting them directly. What happened over the last two years? is that parents in those good zip codes realize their kids are not getting educated. Their kids are being damaged. Their kids are committing suicide. And all of a sudden that empathy factor kicks in in a way that really resonates that we now are all in together. Uh, so it, as tough as it's been, what I, what I, what I, if I can just encourage people to recognize it's, it, was, it was within the DNA of Americans to have this sense of empathy. And then once we get it, we, we're people of action. So yes, we're gonna have more people uh, that are going to the town hall meetings, that are standing up, that are, are standing up against the, the cancel culture because realize that is not America at all. And then once we come together, we have to realize the other side also. They're cowards and bullies. The Marxists, the socialists, the ones that hide in, in, in bureaucracy, the ones that hide behind tenure, tenure the ones who hide behind their black, black masters of white hoods, they're cowards and bullies. And as we stand up, as we the people, they lose their power and they get frantic and they get, they get afraid. So so that's what's happening now. Uh, I would just say this, let's do what the left does not want us to do. Let's have conversations. Let's have be civil with each other. We might not agree on everything, but what we can agree on is our country needs to move forward. Our kids need to have, have a better future. And the only way we can do that is to, to, uh, to, to be patient, uh, to have enough confidence in our, in our way of thinking and our, in our debate, our the way we articulate ourselves that we give people space and if we do that to each other, then we win. Uh, very similar, by the way, very similar to the way we used to get together football games. <laughs> we could be different, we could have the totally different sides of the aisle, but boy, we put that same, same uniform color on and support our team. We're high-fiving each other because that one moment, we're thinking about something bigger than our differences. And, and I would say this is our time 
as we go through these hard, hard times and see this the evil that's happening around the world because of, of the frecklessness of leadership here, let's mm-hmm. never ever uh, look at, at, at politics and our politicians as, as, as sports figures, uh, as sports teams. This is life and death. We need to take this process serious, have our conversations, be, be courageous enough that we can look at other channels and listen to other people and, and have a conversation of how can we now move this thing forward. And I think we'll do a good job of it for sure. I do too. I, I, I want to, in that regard, uh, talk about something that happened with Lindsey Graham, the uh, Republican senator from South Carolina, calling for the assassination of Vladimir Putin. As someone, as one of my colleagues put it, uh, you know, I don't agree with the message, uh, but I wouldn't mind the result. And I understand that motivation, that uh, thinking. But for a U.S. senator to say that no. in front of young people, students, no. kids growing up, uh, it's it's it is such a horrible signal to send to uh, to American youth for a senator thinking he's being cute to say such a thing. He's pandering, no. and uh, he, and and I'll say this about Lindsey Graham: I I, I object to him. I, I don't like the man. I don't like what he stands for or what he's uh, done to this country with some of his nonsense. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's his right. To, he's a senator. He represents the folks of South Carolina. But that is just beneath what any senator should consider saying, any public official. And I, do you agree? Yeah, I, that, there's something that uh, we have to always remember, again, particularly as we represent uh, our constituents. constituents. Uh, there are things we can say in private, things we might have wishes for, but at the same time, we do represent uh, not only our districts, our states, but our great country. And that's just not the way we've ever uh, uh, resolved as a nation. Now, again, we have, we have our leaders. They, they make decisions based on what's best for our nation. They, they, they have classified uh, 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 conversations based on what the leadership uh, thinks was best for our country. But, but we have to be very careful with our words, particularly as, as, uh, as representatives. We, we all know that, um, and, and you're right. Uh, at the end of the day, we, we need to leave it to the Russian people to deal with how they're gonna deal with their leaders. We, on the other hand, have to deal with our leaders, put, put our leaders, make sure our leaders are being held accountable. Um, and, and I would say that this is the time, and I, I wanna segue for a quick second, because I know it's very frustrating sure. when we see things happening and, and we, we want it to happen quickly. We totally do because we, we, see, that, we see that we're not going in the right direction. <clears throat> There's never been a better time for our nation to truly pull ourselves back from the abyss. You know, we, we have been fighting, and Lou, we've, we've seen this, we've had these conversations for decades. We've seen this, lit, this drift, progressive drift toward uh, away from freedom where our kids now are coming out as, as, as hardened uh, Marxists and socialists and hating our country and debt and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Now is our time as, as Americans to say, how do we get back to the way we were raised, where we can respectfully agree to disagree? We don't fit, pick up a, 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 a brick or a, a, a stick when we don't agree with somebody. We have conversations because we have enough confidence in our way of thinking. We need to get back to that, that point of civility. And it's going to be up to the American people this next year to, to put, roll up your sleeves and figure out how to get that done. Think about who we're electing from this point moving forward. If we don't like we're getting, what have we, what have we been presenting in the past? Can we trust the left to keep their word and keep our country moving forward? If you don't, if you agree with me, that the only way we move out of this is come back to our basic tenets of God, family, 
faith and education. That's the tenets that makes our country great. It doesn't matter what what culture, what what uh, community. If you put those those tenets in there, their community will thrive. Let's get back to that. Let's talk about it together. Let's not make it so that we're divided with every single word we say because that's what the left wants. Let's come together and fight for our country in a way that that Americans have done so well in the past. I think those are wise words, Congressman, and I and I agree again a hundred percent. I also think that we have to swear to ourselves to 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 honor the American way. And, yeah. and what is the American way? A lot of these young people ask. Well, the American way has always been to treat uh, one another as equals in every instance, to respect one another, to depend on oneself, to be self-reliant, to uh, to absolutely accept individual responsibility uh, and to be plain spoken and to always say what you mean and mean what you say. It's, it's something that is not, it's not practiced widely. And that's a shame because that's been one of the results of this mass media culture that we've created. Uh, and I, and we need to change it. Uh, we've, well, uh, and I love your, and I love your reference to education because education yep. Public education is the great equalizer of our society in so many ways. And it is so important and it's too important to leave yeah. the two Marxist run teachers uh, unions uh, to tell local school districts and parents that no, they don't belong uh, in a school board meeting uh, and to suggest to the justice department that they're actually domestic terrorists if they raise their voices. This is the yeah. level of ignorance that has gra gripped our public educational system yeah and that's that's why my my passion is my passion is education it has been because my dad was a, a college professor for 40 years my mom was a, was a high school teacher so that's my passion I, i'll just say this uh, to the point you made earlier lou uh you know we grew up uh during an era you know we had parents dads who came back from war they were very proud of who we were and in a day when literally you shook somebody's hand believe it or not <laughs> this used to be the way it was you shake somebody's hand, and that was stronger than a whole team of lawyers because it's yep. your word that's on, on, on the head. Now, at that same time, we were talking about the, the, the golden rule. You treat people right. You treat people how you want to be treated. Uh, at the same time, we're talking about how proud we were of the history we had together as a country, that we've come so far, and we, we looked at the, 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 how far we've come as a, as a point of pride. You know, and, and make, if I make this point, I grew up in the 60s, Lou, when, when uh, you know, the, the big movie at that time was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Because nobody at those days, in those days, was interracial dating, inter right. interracial marriage. Well, my, my family today, six kids, five girls, one boy, we represent Black, White, Hispanic, American Indian, and Trinidadian. That is what <laughs> America's about. It's called family. Well, it's a it's one family. family. You <laughs> I I'll love tell it. you. That, but that's America. That's where we are until we, and, unless we let the left. Have, have it where I'm now dividing my kids based on their color. We, and that will never, ever happen. So we need to recognize as Americans, we are family. Yeah. Let's not go the route of looking at each other from outside in instead of inside out. And that way, that's the way God looks at us. We will find the best in each other. We want to be the best for each other. And in that process, we'll, we'll get our country back. It'll be a, a process we have to fight for, but it's worth the fight. And I think we're in a position now where no more people are realizing that this is where we need to be at this point, for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, that that's a wonderful sentiment, and, and, and thanks for sharing it with this audience. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's where Americans live. I mean, that's, uh, you talk about as American as apple pie, 
what you've just yep. described is as American as, as it gets. And, yep. and it's, it's who we are. And one of the things that I, I, I really, I, I want to, to really beg everyone for is the truth and to understand what is truth and what is not. Uh, truth isn't, you know, obviously truth is, they say, dying in, uh, uh, in the first minutes of war. But the truth is, truth uh, has yeah. been, uh, is, is being murdered in every part of this country, too. Uh, it, truth is, is reviled by the very people who should be spreading <clears throat> truth, and that is our, our corporate-owned mass media. Uh, it's, yeah. it's disgusting, and it's horrible. And, and we've got too many people who accept what's happening on a radio or a TV show or a newspaper or a magazine as, uh, as representing anything as resembling truth. Uh, and we've just got to insist on and demand truth, uh, particularly of this administration of both political parties uh, and, and ourselves, for that matter. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, I think the key uh, to that point, and you're so right, uh, we've been, our kids have been, been told that we have our own separate truths. And uh, no, that's mm -hmm. not the way it works. I mean, you have the, the law of gravity. There's a truth in the law of gravity, which is you jump off the building. I don't care what law you pass in Congress. There's going to be a, 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 a reckoning. <laughs> it's, and, and you can feel that it's not fair all the way down to the ground, but it is a reckoning. That is the truth. Is a gravity. Uh, what goes up must come down. Right. Uh, we, have to, we have to get back to those, those type of, of, of un that understanding and not allow the left to, to take their vision of the way truth works and, and, and just spread it all over the place. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about where we are. Uh, I, you know, I, I think, you know, when I, when I, I think about where I was trained, the, the basic concepts that I was trained when I was growing up as a young man, I, I can't say enough about it. I was taught to love God, country, family, respect women and authority. Think about how simple that formula is for those early days when things weren't going right well in terms of assimilation, but every culture felt the same way. Respect for God, family, country, women in authority. And we get our young, young men thinking that way again, um, uh, standing for those values again, uh, the left doesn't have a chance. And so we have to make sure we do that and to be proud of it. Uh, let's stop looking at each other the way the left wants us to look at each other. Embrace those who bring you value, that make you feel good, that encourage you. Stay away from those who bring darkness. At the end of the day, turn the darkness off and let's continue to drift toward the light and we'll be in good shape for sure. Absolutely. Congressman, it is great to always talking with you. I hope you uh, can come back soon. Uh, we know you're making a difference, uh, not only uh, in your community, uh, in your district, uh, but in the United States Congress and your nation. And we're deeply appreciative uh, for you uh, serving the, the nation uh, and wish you all of the very best. God Lou, bless. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. And thank you, Congressman Owens, and God bless you. Our guest tomorrow here is Breitbart Senior Editor-at-Large and Attorney Joel Pollack. Please be with us. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to LouDobbs.com, that's LouDobbs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter, I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com.
Thanks. God bless you. And God bless America.